Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Alyssa DiLorenzo. Welcome hey to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me as well. I hope I pronounced your name right. It is Alyssa DiLorenzo. You got it. Oh, fantastic. Sometimes I get things right on. Sometimes I miss the mark. And, <laughs> and usually the ones that look like the way you want to pronounce them is the ones that get wrong. The ones that people are going, oh, nobody gets it right. Or is usually the ones that get right. I, I hear you. And with a name like Alisa, it's one of those things. It can go a lot of different directions. That's true. Because some people go Alyssa. Some people, <laughs> right? So, and there's so many different spellings. So, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I'm excited, uh, you know, to have you on the show today. This is... um a different direction than real estate. I've been doing a lot of real estate and lately the last few days I've been trying to get more than just real estate since I do more than just real estate. Sure. <laughs> so this is exciting. I saw your profile online as uh, you know, and, and I was just like, you know what? I think people find value in this. Well, I appreciate that because um, being an entrepreneur myself, I have had the privilege to actually work with a lot of folks in real estate um, through coaching and through really helping them to just level up their relationships because when the relationship is going really well and is strong, oh my gosh, the business can absolutely skyrocket. For sure. So I want to start off the podcast with a bio of you. Like where did you start off at your career and how did you get to the point of where you are today? So way back a million moons ago, I was a psychology major in college and, um, really went into the business world right after that. But it wasn't until after having my son 19 years ago that I started to go, okay, what does this look like? And did the whole stay at home mom thing um, for many, many years. And really what launched where we are with One Extraordinary Marriage is that my husband and I found ourselves really at a crossroads um, about 12 years into this thing called marriage. And we were, we were, you know, on the outside looked great, but on the inside, we're really just struggling. It was, we'd fallen into this place of being roommates. We were considering divorce. And it was at that point in time that we said, we got to do something or we're going to be a statistic. And it was from there that we did a 60 day sex challenge and started talking about um, how, what we had learned, but more importantly, how we could actually transform our marriage. And then people started asking us questions and it led to us starting our podcast writing books and you know here just you know a couple months ago launched our latest bestseller the six pillars of intimacy that is awesome i mean like yeah like that what a name too like mm -hmm. how did you come up with that name obviously it has to do with a bit of the uh, topic but yeah like, that, that seems unique like the six pillars of intimacy like it's it sort of the got that catch hook that you're looking at and you're going Wait I wonder, you know, is that, what's that about? Like, could that be misleading or is it really what you think? Yeah. It's like, you know what? I want to know more, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's so interesting because, um, you know, it, it's essentially an accidental name um, in the sense of Tony and I were speaking at a conference in August of 2020. And you, because we had spent so much time um, early at One Extraordinary Marriage, just talking about sexual intimacy, we'd been known for that. And, we, and Tony actually said to me, he's like, I want to talk about something else. So we had actually said, you know what, how do we equip couples to look at their marriage holistically, not just at this pillar of sexual intimacy? And so we put this, this graphic up on the screen that was six pillars. And we were talking about these six key areas that every relationship really needs to focus on. And we called them the power six. And, and it was kind of a funny thing when we were up there on stage. But immediately after, 
we were interacting with those in the in the audience and they were saying things to us like, oh, I really need to work on that emotional intimacy pillar or we've got cracks in our financial intimacy pillar. And we realized that they had seen the graphic that we had put up, they had actually recognized that they were pillars. And as we started to explore this concept of pillars, we realized that, that pillars do so many things in architecture and it's the same thing in marriage. They add beauty, you know, if you think about all of the great um, structures that have pillars, there's a strength to them, there's a beauty to them, and pillars can carry weight. And that's exactly what these six areas do in a relationship. So that's how the name Six Pillars of Intimacy came to be about. That's awesome. I mean, I absolutely love it. Right? And <laughs> I just like, it's incredible. Like, even the story, like, wow. You yeah. Know? And that's the thing, right? Like, it, I mean, <laughs> what can I say? Like, I mean, it, it, that kudos, right? Like, well, and I think as entrepreneurs, you never know when something you're going to present, how exactly it's going to land. Right. And so we were, we were in this place. I'm like, oh, we need to give it a name. So we call them the power six, but, but they, the imagery resonated so much and it's been so fascinating to watch people and so encouraging that when people think of pillars and they think of adding strength to a relationship, that concept is so concrete for them that it's not like they're grasping at straws on how do we fix things. It's like, oh, that pillar has a crack in it. I need to actually take action to strengthen that pillar. And that's what people do now. And you know, that's exactly how I took it. I, I looked at it and saying pillars, as in, you know, it's the foundation, the building block, holding right. things up at the same time. It's like you said, represents strength. Yes. And it also represents structure. Correct. Right. So that, that's exactly how I took it. Oh, I love it. I love it because you and I have not met before today. And so having getting this feedback from you, um, that's what we're hearing from so many people as they discover the six pillars. It's I think in marriage and relationships, there are a lot of things that feel theoretical, that feel like, OK, I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. But when when something becomes concrete and tangible, there's this empowerment that, oh, my gosh, I can do something with this. I, I get the logic behind it. And so now I can put the feeling and the energy into doing it. And empowerment is actually what changes, whether you're going after a real estate transaction, you're like, oh, I know I can do this, or you're taking care of something in your relationship. I know I can do this. And then you go after it. For sure. And now what fascinates me is because you said you guys were on the brink of divorce, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like, usually a lot of times when you get to that level, like people try, but it's almost too late. Like there's very few success stories where people come back from that point. Yeah. So and how did, what was that like? Well, it was, we had two young children at the time. Our kids were two and five when we found ourselves there. And it was really, you know, I, I didn't want my kids to grow up in a divorced home. I mean, ultimately that's what it came down to, but I also didn't want to be miserable. You know, Tony and I will tell the story. We didn't want to be miserable for 16 years because the baby was two and we're like, okay, we're just going to grin and bear it and, and we'll get divorced later. And so what we did in that moment, and I mean, I've had the privilege to coach hundreds and hundreds of couples. What we did in that moment, what I see in so many of the couples that I have the privilege to work with is that if you can find that measure of hope, and you have the, the strategy, if you have an action that the two of you can get behind, then you can actually turn situations around. Now, not every marriage can be saved. Not every couple I've worked with has, you know, come back and had rainbows and unicorns because sometimes people just don't want to be married anymore. But for those that do, so often it's a matter of let's get that infusion of hope back. I mean, that's what Tony and I had to do when we, when we did our 60 day sex challenge, all of a sudden I found, oh my gosh, like 
I actually like spending time with you again and you're making me laugh and we're we're sharing the household chores and we're having fun together and it was that that ray of hope that maybe we didn't have to be a statistic maybe the intentionality that we brought to that just that short 60 day window could actually carry over and i mean that was that was gosh my two-year-old is now 16 so 14 years ago um, is when we put the brakes on talking about divorce we actually took divorce out of our vocabulary uh, our marriage vocabulary and said hold on a second there's got to be a way that if we get intentional and we take action that we can not only save our marriage but have a great marriage for sure like and that's one of the things that i read uh you know in your little profile mm -hmm. yeah it's about being intentional absolutely Right. And, and that goes to show you when you put your mindset to something like that, you can make almost anything work. Well, and I think, you know, John, with you being in real estate, I think you've probably encountered because I know I have um, a lot of people who who say they want to be in real estate, who say they want to sell. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, well, what have you sold? Right. What, what are your transactions? Like, show me what you've done, because you can think that real estate is glamorous. You can think that, you know, like marriage is all going to be roses and unicorns and you know just all of the happiness but unless there's the actual effort you won't sell any properties yeah and you won't have strong relationships so it i think the skills that uh, those in the real estate industry have are are actually the same skills that can make a, a marriage can make a relationship super successful well it's funny that you say that like i mean going into real estate like what you're saying there mm -hmm. A lot of people come into the business thinking that, okay, my buddy got into real estate and within two years, he's driving a BMW, Mercedes, whatever. So sure. you know what? I'm miserable at my job. I can't stand what I'm doing. I'm going to become a real estate agent and I'm going to mm -hmm. sell everything. I'm going to get the fancy car and I'm going to buy myself multiple houses. Right. Then they get into the business and what is the first thing they do? Lease a car. Yeah. A lot of people do that. And I, I'm going to give you the scary stats of real estate. 80% of the people who get into real estate will be out of the business within five years. Oh my gosh. 20% of the people actually make a living in there. And the, out of the 20%, 15% make a living. Okay. What I, to me, a living is between 65 and we'll say 125,000. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. That's a living. Yeah. Um, 3% will make the 125 to we'll say 700,000. Uh-huh. And then you got 2% that do the over the million, but okay. everybody compares the over the million, right? So my point is 20% of the people will make it. 80% of the people will fail. Mm -hmm. Yet the first thing people do get in the business, find the brokerage they want to be with, then mm -hmm. lease a car. Mm. Wow. All about that, you know, like, uh, it's like keeping up with the Jones. Yeah. Right. Which is ridiculous. I mean, like Absolutely. you don't even like, like, and I'll tell you that 90% of the realtors do not do more than one sale in the first year of transaction. I mean, first year of business. That's, so, I mean, statistically here, you talk about the statistics that, that makes sense, but that's actually mind boggling to me. Yeah. Like, like think about it. Like in Ontario where I'm, am, we have more realtors than we have transactions. I think there was 92,000 realtors and it was only like 90,000 transactions or stupid things, something stupid like that. So, so there are lots of people. Well, and I, I, you know, that's, that's the comparison to the relationships, right? There are a lot of people that say, well, this is like, we're going to have a great marriage. We're going to do this. But if you don't put in the effort, you won't ever 
to put in the real estate stats, you won't ever get into that 20%. And you know, what's the jump from just making a living, right, to just doing marriage, to just kind of going through the motions to being in that, I'm going to call it the million dollar club, right, that ha you have that extraordinary marriage. The difference is the amount of effort and how diligent you are. It's not whether or not you drive the fancy car or you put up the nice Instagram pictures. It's what are you willing to do? Because I, I, we have friends who are real estate agents here in San Diego. I know the ones that are selling multiple, multiple homes every single month versus the ones that are like, yeah, you know, like if a friend asks me, I'll, you know, kind of sort of sell the house. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The other way to tell is that if you have two friends and you end up buying a house, buy with one friend. If the other guy gets pissed off, then you know he's not doing very well. Because um, I find when people are struggling, they have the scarcity mindset. So it's, it's not one of those things where like, I didn't do a good enough job to make you feel comfortable using me. Wow. It's the, uh, he stole my business or she stole my business. Oh, how could you backstab me like that? It's nonsense. It's a scarcity mindset. The yeah. reality is it could be other reason. You could be related to somebody and, and you know what? You don't want the family friction, friction, right? right? You know what I mean? It could just be something like that. It might not be personal, but people take it personal. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's always, oh, look what they did to me. It wasn't about you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, like, like you just yeah, up such a good point about what are those, you know, what are the relationships? Because all of the relationships that we do well, will yield a harvest for us, right? The intentionality, how do we make people feel? How do we take care of them? I mean, it's the same is true in, in real estate as in marriage, right? Exactly. It's the same yeah. skill set. And I'm gonna say a quote, I posted this uh, quote on, on um, Instagram the other day, but it really applies to this, mm -hmm. right? Like you wouldn't go up to a stranger and tell them you know, how, how good you are, you, uh, how much money you make, how much money you make your customers and how many awards you win. Wow. Would you? No. no. Right. So why would you do it in your marketing? Mm. Right. Like, well, like bragging does not make sales. Right. Right. Like we're in a, just like a relationship and this is where I'm going to bring it to. Yeah. It's about what you do for the others. How can you solve a pain point that mm -hmm. the other person is feeling? Show them understanding, empathy. I love it. Right. And if you can show understanding and empathy and you can show how you make the difference, mm -hmm. then the person will gravitate to you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's that caring. We all and I think, you know, in today's day and age with you know social media and we're talking Instagram or wherever you're posting. Right. We see a lot of people, but not a lot of people feel seen. Right. Yes. They don't feel cared for. They don't feel connected. And so it's what are you doing? I mean, it's why we call it the six pillars of intimacy, because intimacy really talks about just that connection and that closeness. What are you doing to become close to people, to feel connected and to create that sense within them? Because people that feel close and connected, they if we're talking customers and clients, they will be your most loyal Right. They, they, and they will tell everybody about you. And that's why there are 92,000 realtors, but only 90,000 transactions, because two of those thousand aren't doing anything, probably more than that. And everybody's going to a select few. Yes. Yes. It's always the same names popping up. In every city. In every city. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing, right? I mean, like, it's incredible how this mm -hmm. happens year in, year out. Mm -hmm. And yet people still try the same tactic, same thing. Yeah. Well, and that's really, you know, even with us 
bringing forth the six pillars of intimacy, there have been a lot of frameworks for couples marriage, you know, a lot of, a lot of ideas that have been put forth, but what we, Tony and I were seeing, and what I was seeing specifically in coaching is that a lot of the tools would, would pit spouses against each other. Like you're not meeting this need or you're not doing this for me. And what we, as we started to explore these different pillars of intimacy and we started really embracing this concept of them being pillars, right? So an architectural, you got to build, it, it starts to become, well, what can we do? Right. There, there are actions that I can take as an individual to to level things up, but it also then shifts things. So it's not this adversarial relationship, but rather a team relationship of we're in this together and we're building something together. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, I, that that makes total sense. Right. And, and that's the thing. You got to peel off the layers yeah. before you can glue them back together. Absolutely. Right? Like nobody wants a band-aid solution. That's not going to solve anything. No. And I think there are a lot of band-aid solutions there. And you know, there are a lot of people who don't actually want to do something about it. Right. They want it to be easy. I think, you know, Hollywood, um, you know, romance novels, all of these things have made it seem like, well, I should be able to, to just, we have this amazing dating engagement period and we get married and then I'll see you in 50 years. Right. We'll get to this place where it's just like, all right, well, we're good. And the truth is, is that you, most people were super intentional before they got married. I mean, there's dates, there's bringing each other's gifts. There's, you know, you said it earlier, taking care of and serving one another. And that all has to continue after the I do, right? After it's not just enough to say, well, we're married now. Like, uh, you know, I'll see you in 50 years. It's going, well, how do I, how do I let you know that you're my priority, right? Just like a, a real estate client. How does your client know they're a priority? How does your spouse know that you, they're a priority. Are they on your calendar? Are you making time for them? Are you doing things just for them simply because they are your spouse? And, and when that starts to shift, because you know, in real estate, when your clients are priority, like they know they're on speed dial, you, they've got you on speed dial. They can send you a text at any time. We were with friends the other night and she's a real estate agent and it's like nine thirty at night. And this client's like, I need to take care of this right now. And she looks at us and we're all, we see her phone go off and we're all like, it's not good. You go take care of that client. Cause we know it's a multi-million dollar deal here in San Diego. We're like, he needs to feel like he's your priority. Go take care of him. And the same thing is true in the personal relationships. Right. And, and going to with the uh, relationships part, mm -hmm. right. A lot of times, you know, like people before they get married, it's mm -hmm. like, they can't let their partner go. It's like, almost like you're choking them. Yeah. Right. Like, like they, they feel the need to always be glued. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. <laughs> it's just a time together. Right. Right. But, but like you said, after you get, get to the, I do all of a sudden it becomes space. I say, like, really? Mm -hmm. Like there's this, there's a need all of a sudden that things have to change. Yeah. And I never understand that. Why do things have to change? What got you to, I do. Yes. Is what the person is looking for. Say it. Thank you. Right. <laughs> well, it is because we wouldn't have said yes. To getting married or you know he wouldn't have proposed if there wasn't this intentionality of you know we're spending time together we're doing and yes there are some things that change after you know you introduce children um, people are going after their careers these are situational things that change but the reality is all of those things can be stripped away right you know you can i mean if you've looked at the last 20 30 years in business the, you know there have been recessions there have been i mean good grief you know the lockdowns and all this kind of, people have lost business right so that can go away um you know children grow up all kinds of things so they go away so what do you have 
when all of those other things are stripped away and what have you poured into? Do you have your marriage? Do you have that relationship? And is it strong or is it just kind of like, yeah, you know, sort of kind of we're doing this thing called marriage. And, and we see it that, you know, there are so many couples now that are getting into this place that they call it gray divorce, where they raise the kids, they do the career stuff, you know, 20, 25 years. And then at that, you know, quarter century mark, they're like, eh, this isn't kind of working for me anymore. And they'll get divorced. But it's because there's been so much attention placed on kid and career that they haven't invested in one another. And that can actually shift if that intentionality and the action comes back into the relationship. Right. And this is what I believe. And this believes that this applies to business and it mm -hmm. applies to relationships, in my opinion, is that you got to put in the work. And a lot of times people believe that, you know, the work ends at the marriage or the work ends once, mm -hmm. uh, once you, mm -hmm. you know, get the client and make the deal. Yeah. But reality is that's where it begins. Because that's the one that matters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Why spend your time focusing on clients that aren't sure that they're going to use you or mm -hmm. in a relationship that you don't know is going anywhere? Mm -hmm. We put in all the effort on those, trying to win the things we don't know. Oh. And, and then we let, let things that we do know, the for sure, as I'll call mm -hmm. it, fall by the wayside. Yeah, that is... Oh my gosh, I might actually borrow that imagery there for future conversations that I have with my coaching clients because it's so powerful because you're absolutely right. We, the one thing, like we, we can only ultimately control ourselves, right? We can only yes. influence ourselves. But when we get intentional about making relationships a priority, and this is something that I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs about because you can have all the traipsings of success. You can, you can be in the million dollar real estate club. You can actually be able to afford the BMW lease and all of those kinds of things. And that's amazing. But if you come home and your house is empty, the relationships feel broken and fractured, it doesn't matter what's on the outside. If you can take care of your home, and literally, you know, talking to a bunch of real estate professionals here, this is so fitting, but you take care of your home, you build the relationships in there, then out of that overflow, your success is so much sweeter because you have someone you share it with, you have someone that is celebrating your wins, you have someone that's got your back on those rough days when a transaction looks like it's going south and you're like, I just need a hug, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, what can you do? Taking a lot of those same skills that make you successful in real estate and pour that into the relationship, right? So that you can have both the personal and the professional success. It's not, it doesn't have to be an either or. And I think that's the challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs get into is like, well, I'm going to go after this. So I've got to sacrifice. You don't, you just have to have a different strategy and a different set of tools. Yes, I agree with you. Again, I believe it comes with the abundance mindset. 100%. Right? I mean, I don't look at thing. I'm going to have this or that mm -hmm. or that. I'm going to have, I'm going to have my business and I'm going to have my uh, freedom and I'm going to have. Yes. Right? And is a key word. Exactly. When now here, here's another thing that I've, I've come across in my days. Yeah. And I heard it and I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. Tell so me. I'm going to share it. Please when do. something does not work, who's at fault? Is yeah. it 50, 50, 75, 25, 25, 75, or does it depend on the situation? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And this is what I believe. And it goes back to something you said just before this. It's 100% zero. 
because you can't control what somebody else does, mm -hmm. but you have a hundred percent control on how you react. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And it, it comes back to a concept that we share throughout the book. Um, I share throughout my coaching. It's this idea of asking the question, what can I do? Right. What what can I do in terms of my reaction? What can I do in terms of looking for a solution? What can I do in terms of creating a shift in our dynamic? So often, and I think it's become very prevalent to be so outwardly focused. And we're like, well, what do you need to do? Like, you need to fix this. Oh, if we're not working, you know, this isn't working. John, what are you going to do about it? Right. And so saying, wait a minute, John's got his own stuff going on. What's Elisa going to do about it? How is Elisa going to respond to this? What am I going to offer in terms of solutions or suggestions and not wait for, in this case, John to you know, do something different? I'm empowered. I can do things. I, I can make suggestions. And when we shift that, we move out of that victim into a victor and we move into this place of saying, I am empowered to make my circumstances different. For sure. For yeah. sure. See, Absolutely. now as an entrepreneur, everybody has, uh, you know, ups and downs as we all know. So my question to you is what was, did you ever have that moment where you started mm -hmm. and then somewhere along the line, you're like, why did I do this? You know, oh, I mean, yeah. What was I thinking? I should have stayed at my career. If so, uh, how did you get over it? Well, We've actually had many, many moments like that while over the last 12 years that we've been growing one extraordinary marriage. Um, I remember two very distinct ones. We were we've recorded almost 700 um, episodes of our show. And I remember somewhere in the mid 80s, Tony had called me. He was taking a lot of criticism because all of our podcast episodes are Tony and I having a conversation about a different relationship aspect or something that's going on in our own marriage. And he'd been taking a lot of criticism for the way he was talking to me. And keep in mind, this was, you know, 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And we would get all these emails. Tony's doing this. And, that. and he calls me one day and he's just like, I'm done. And I remember looking at the phone going, uh, are you willing to start paying for therapy? Because this is like our weekly therapy session. And, and, and we had to really navigate what that would look like. And I had to even in that place go, okay, how am I going to handle when my husband gets criticized? And we actually, I remember there's, like I said, somewhere in the mid eighties, but there's a podcast episode where I come on and I'm like, look, here's the deal. He's my husband. I know you all think that he's being super hypocritical. He's not, he's, he, we're working through stuff. And it was a really monumental growth experience for us to even within our relationship go how are we going to defend one another how are we going to handle when when we want to quit because i mean you know when you're putting shows out there and you're doing this kind of stuff there are lots of people that feel very open to being critical and just saying well i don't like it and you're like all right well you don't have to like it go do something else right like listen to something else you don't like my show i'm okay with it go listen Right. And so so that was that that early point in time. But then I remember Tony and I had this vision for a membership site very, very early on as we were doing One Extraordinary Marriage. We thought, oh, well, we're going to build this out. And we're going to do all this stuff. And, and I, I can still to this day, John, see the whiteboard in our kitchen as we were like brainstorming all of this stuff. And, and we just we poured everything into this. And then we opened it up and two people signed up and we're like, 
not what we thought was going to happen. You know, we we kind of subscribed early on in our business to the the field of dreams mentality, right? Like build it and they will come. They will just flock to you and that you will have millions of dollars. You know, it's kind of the real estate thing, right? Go get the BMW when you started a brokerage. And so we really had to take a step back and we've had to do this multiple times throughout the years we've been in business and say, what is it that people actually want? We can't run our business imposing our will and what we think people want. We actually have to, and we're reminded of this regularly when we do something and it doesn't have a lot of success. We aren't listening to the people that matter most. And the people that matter most, we refer to them as the one family. That's our tribe. Those are our listeners. Those are our book readers. Those are my coaching clients. We don't need to tell them what they need. They need to actually tell us what they need. And then we need to meet that need as the resource that we are. But that that was a huge growth because there were times when we're just like, nobody showed up. We're in business where people need to show up and nobody showed up. And you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? If people aren't going to engage in this. And so, yeah, it seems like every couple of years we throw something out there and it doesn't quite stick. And that's when we're reminded we're probably not listening to the people that we need to be listening to. True. Well, the other thing is that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yes, it does. So we're I, at year 12. We're right there. There you go. See, and that's the thing, right? Like, look, I mean, I started uh, a secondary business, a uh, mm-hmm. coaching business, okay. just because I was already helping people for free. Yeah. I said, why not uh, build something from it? Love it. Um, and it's sort of the logo on the corner, just ask John coaching. Mm-hmm. Right. So my slogan is when in doubt, just ask John. Love it. Right. So, so like, and that's the thing, right? So I had an information session, mm-hmm. which I probably put it on a terrible day because it's right before Christmas. Oh, and um, <laughs> so... <laughs> the response I had initially was very good. Mm-hmm. A lot of emails came back and I emailed everybody else. Hey, don't forget tonight's the, the session. Yeah. One person showed up, but the person who showed up didn't really have to, because we had a phone conversation earlier that day. So it was horrible. Then you get the, you know, the message sorry, I couldn't make it because of this or yeah. that and here and there, but it's like, I spoke to you three hours before <laughs> you, you know, you didn't know that you were going to have that appointment three hours before, but oh, like gosh. it's bad timing. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's just not the right time. The right. Mm-hmm. And that's my fault. My Mia Copa for the, uh, yeah. for that timing. I should know better than the plan and intro session, you know, a week before uh, Christmas. Yeah. So, but I, I think you're right. And it's, but as entrepreneurs and the same thing in marriage, not everything's going to work. And so it's going, it's taking that step back. Like you said, evaluating, is it a time thing? Like I just picked the wrong day. Did I, did I offer something that wasn't actually wanted? What is it? And again, coming back to, well, what can I do? Right. right. Now here, here's the other thing. I got people that are willing to sign up, but I wanted them to come to the session. So they understand what they're signing up to. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people just to fill in the form, send me their visa. Then we yeah. begin and go, I didn't know this is what it was. Yeah. Right. And that, that was the whole point of the info session. Right. I probably should have done it in the new year where it would have been more convenient. Well, and, and that's like you said, that's all learning. I mean, I've been coaching individuals and couples now for look at the calendar, like nine years. And there's been a lot of growth and, and even discovery over that of going, OK, well, how am I going to do that? What's going to be my unique style? What do the people that I work with need and how am I going to offer that to them? Um, because how I introduced coaching nine years ago versus how I introduce it now is almost night and day different, but there, it's that growth period, you know, the 10 year overnight success thing that you're talking about. 
For sure. Now let's also remember nine years ago, 10 years ago, we'll say maybe even 12. When somebody says I do coaching, somebody be, oh, I don't know. What do I need that for? What is it? Right? Like we're today, like, yeah, nine years ago, 10 years ago, you say you do coaching. People would need a, you know, a description. What is that? Today you say I do coaching. People not generally know what coaching right. is. And it's a matter of wh what field do you focus mm -hmm. on? Like who do you coach for? Right. So I think today, especially because of the internet, the way it has blown up, the way information gets out there is in like hyper speed mm -hmm. where we'll even say 20 years ago, things were still going word of mouth. So it was a lot slower to build. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. We have this incredible advantage, uh, which is opportunity for people to test, try mm -hmm. things out, see what works, see what doesn't. Mm -hmm. and then pour gasoline on what's working so it goes on fire. Absolutely. And there's so much truth to that, right? But you have to test. You can't just keep doing the same old thing that, like you said, if, if we're only relying on word of mouth, which was, you know, the 20 years ago method, are we taking full advantage of the opportunities that are in front of us right now? For certain, for sure. <laughs> like Now, here's the next question, which is going to be the polar opposite of what I asked you on the last one. Go for it. Every entrepreneur, every businessman or businesswoman, mm -hmm. exacts, I've never heard anybody not have this, but after they conquer the doubts and everything has settled mm -hmm. and things start going along, they have that aha moment, mm -hmm. that moment where they say, aha, okay, I knew this was going to work. This is mm -hmm. going exactly the way it's supposed to be. Maybe mm -hmm. not the way I planned it, yeah. but it's working. I am where I'm supposed to be today. What was that moment for you? Um. There's been two significant ones. Um, I mentioned earlier, I've had the privilege to coach hundreds and hundreds of couples. And I remember to this day, the first email I got from a couple that I had been coaching that when I had started with them, they were very likely headed down the road for divorce. Um, they had talked about it. They had talked to attorneys. And I remember getting, after working with them, I remember getting the email that says, thank you for everything that you've done for us and with us because divorce is not an option now. We are committed to our marriage. We're committed to making this work. We're committed to putting that effort and being intentional and taking action. And I remember in that moment going, oh my gosh, like what I have been gifted with in the lane specifically as we were just talking about with coaching, um, where I run is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, and there have been you know, hundreds of those emails since, um, not always in relation to divorce, but just you've saved our marriage, you've changed how we think about marriage. And, and everyone feels like the first one um, because being able to impact a couple's life like that is truly, um, it's a gift back to me. And I think the second time where I was like, okay, this is working. I mean, and it's a very recent one, um, but as we launched this concept of the six pillars of intimacy just late last year and, and have been able to watch a full 12 months of folks embracing this and um, you know you're in your lane when you present a concept and your audience uses that language back to you. And what I mean by that is we started talking about the six pillars on the podcast after that conference that we spoke at last year and within probably 60 days we were getting emails, seeing Instagram comments, um, Facebook comments, that type of thing where people were like, well, I've got a crack in this pillar or we're really working on strengthening this pillar or, oh my gosh, I can't believe, like I finally understand what's going on in my marriage. And 
to get those messages, those responses to what is essentially for most people an entirely new framework and a new concept in regard to marriage. Um, and to see not only that they're getting it, but they're able to take action and they're doing something in their marriage. That's been that's been phenomenal. That has literally in the last 12 months just blown up our world. And we are, you know, um, you said it a few minutes ago, we are pouring gasoline on the six pillars of intimacy as we head into 2022, um, just to make sure that as many people as we can will know about it. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So often when you, especially in coaching, mm -hmm. you're going to have um, moments where you're going to get a couple Mm -hmm. One person's totally on, on the same page mm -hmm. and really wants to get started. It's excited. In fact, they're wondering why they didn't start this a year ago. Yes. Then you're going to have another one that's sort of resistant. It's the, mm -hmm. I don't want to get divorced, but I don't really think this is going to work. I don't really want to be here, mm -hmm. but because I know you'll go, you'll go to the lawyers if I don't be here. Right. So they're resistant. Oh yeah. Or maybe it's resistant because they don't understand or skeptical, or maybe they're scared. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? So I run into that dynamic a lot um, because typically one spouse is listening to the podcast and the other one isn't. And they're just like, oh my gosh, we need to do this coaching. And, and I signed us up and we're, and I literally, it's so funny that you asked this question because just before I jumped into this interview with you, I was responding to an email with those words, almost word for word. And one of the things that I do is I offer a consultation to everybody that has applied for coaching. I'm like, hey, hop on with me and we do it via zoom. I'm like, let's just talk to one another and see if I'm the right fit. And if it turns out that they both agree, even if the resistant one is like, oh, I'm kind of just still doing this for you. Uh, I am constantly in the coaching sessions, working to understand where a person is coming from. And so even as I'm coaching couples, I'll invite them to do individual sessions with me to understand and uncover what's behind the layers, what's behind the resistance. You know, you mentioned a word like fear. Absolutely. There are a lot of spouses who are afraid of the marriage being successful and them having to change in order for that to happen or the marriage falling apart and having to look at what life looks like after that. There are couples who um, who have been hurt by broken trust and are scared that if they trust again, if they're vulnerable, that it, they might get hurt again. There are couples who just feel hopeless. And I mentioned it earlier in this conversation with you, John, but that absence of hope, whether it's in business or in your personal life, that is, that's a killer. And so it's going, okay, my job so often is to come up with, I call them baby steps in the book, but come up with what those baby steps are going to be so that somebody can have that easy, that quick win, that they can see success. They can see, oh, I can, you know, coming back to what can I do? I can do this. I can take action, but I'm always looking in my first sessions with folks to go, okay, where can I, where can I find them a win? Where can we reinstill hope so that there's that little kindling in their heart and their spirit that says maybe, because if I can get a maybe, I can run with a maybe. If it's a hard no, um, those are usually the ones that will go to divorce if somebody doesn't want to even take any kind of action. Right. That makes sense. Right. You got to put in the work, like I said before. Mm -hmm. Um I have a, a friend of mine who talked to me about coaching um, and I'll probably hear this and I don't really want to put him on blast, which is why I won't use names. Thank you. But um, it's one of those things. We had a conversation and um, he's like, I don't really know what I'm signing up for. 
And he was one of the guys that didn't want to show up for the session. Like, ah, just give me the forms. I'll fill it in. And I'm like, no, no, you want to be there. And he showed up. That was the one that showed up. But he's like, you know, I'm just looking for somebody who will write down a list of steps for me to do. And I'm just going to go do it and get business. I'm like, he goes, I don't want to hear about mindset. I don't want to hear about process or systems. I'm not investing in anymore. We already have stuff. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean, I, and it's one of those, it doesn't work that way. I mean, yeah. one thing is I don't know where you are right now. I can't mm -hmm. give you steps if I don't know what you're starting from. Right. Like, uh, but anyways, it was one of those things that uh, we, we had a talk and I said, you know what, you know what it's about. Mm -hmm. If it, uh, if it's not a fit, then it's not a fit. Maybe, you know, you're not ready for it. Yeah. And if it is, then just fill in the forms and we'll go from there to see if we can uh, work together on this. Well, so, but it was one of those things that, I mean, it's always that quick win. I got to win now, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. like, I just need the steps. Tell me, do I got to right. buy a card? Do I got to buy this? Do I got to buy that? And yeah. you do none of the above. <laughs> right? Well, so, I, think, I think you bring up a good point, though, is that whether, whether it's business coaching, whether it's marriage coaching, it's what is your level of vulnerability? Yes. And, yes. and are you willing to are you willing to take off the masks to allow someone else to speak into your blind spots? Right. That's, you got it. Cause I'm sure you could, if, if you got like deep in the weeds with him and you're like, yeah, I can totally give you a list, but it's not going to be the first thing that we do. We, we got to uncover all this stuff so that we can get to the action so that I can understand exactly what you need to do. It's unique to you, not some random list, do this, do that. Exactly my point. And that, and that's where I was going. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things that you have to know where to start mm -hmm. or you know where to end. Yes. And, oh, and you got to be willing to put in that work, mm -hmm. even if it is slow and painful, not to the direction you were hoping for. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I saw potential in the person. That's why when he was coming on, I was so excited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's got a lot of potential, big heart. He's always willing to help. And that's a key oh. thing in, in business is yeah. it's not about the money. It's about the willingness to help people regardless of the remuneration. Well, because that willingness to help that will actually, you know, we were talking about abundance and scarcity. That's where the abundance will come. You, you will make the money when you're willing to help, when you are willing to get into people's lives, whether it's you coaching him or him, you know, stepping into this place and doing more, it's just going, okay, what are the systems? This is what I tell my coaching clients all the time. I go, we need to look at the strategies and the structure so that you can actually implement something. Just hoping and wishing that you're going to have a great marriage, just hoping and wishing that it, we're going to fix the, what's broken doesn't happen, but strategy and structure will always win out. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? Sometimes you get questioned on certain things too, right? Like somebody asked me, well, take CRMs, right? Customer relationship management software, right? Like where we record everything, put everything in there, everything we talk about, everything that happened in the session. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, well, you know what? I just put everything in Google. I don't really need that. And you know what? For some people that might work. Sure. For most people, it won't. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking the ones that do that and it works for them. Good. Right. Like as long as they have something that they, they're they consistent with. But it's one of those things that usually the CRM is the difference. And I gave an example. Goes Well, why would I need that? Mm -hmm. I, I go, well, you remember three months ago we talked about just the X, Y, Z. Yeah. And uh, you remember what I said? Oh, you talked something. Give me a brief description. Yeah. But what did I say I was going to do? Well, I don't know. And I go, and that's why you need the CRM. Because it would have been right in there. Mm -hmm. Because that was the main focal point of the conversation. <sighs> Right. So if that was in the CRM and we're talking about, I don't know, townhouses, yeah. you know, you just remember we're looking for homes, but you don't remember where or why or what, 
Well, the Sierra Moda told you that. Absolutely. And it's it's that attention to detail um, and being willing. I mean, that's an extra step, right? Like you and I can have this conversation and, and this can be you know great, but it's that extra step of going, okay, what did we talk about? Because like you said, if we're talking about, you know, like if I'm moving to Ontario and I'm like, I need to find a townhome in this particular area. And you're like, uh, okay, so she's moving to Ontario, but I'm just going to show her everything. I'm going to get frustrated. You're not going to understand why I'm upset. And it's going to be this this huge disconnect. And this is, I mean, this is all about building emotional intimacy, whether it's with a client or with, with yourself, of going into this place of saying, you matter enough that I'm going to take this extra step. If it's with a CRM or it's with a conversation that we've had. I tell my coaching clients all the time, I'm like, you know, there's a reason the notes app is on the phone and yeah. not just be another app on your phone. It's because when your spouse says something, type it in there. Like they walk past a store and they're like, oh, I'd really like to have, or, you know, what their favorite coffee drink is at the coffee. Like, just keep track of it. It, it, make it your own CRM because that way you're never at a loss on what to do. Right. Now here's another thing, right? Today was a one year anniversary for, uh, from a client for a client who just moved into her home. Okay. Um, and it was a person who thought I met her cause she was looking for a rental and it was one of those things we had a conversation and she was flustered her and her boyfriend husband whichever they were flustered they were very flustered because they're looking for a rental because yeah. they had a mortgage broker who told her they didn't get approved now part of the rent and the rentals in ontario are actually even harder to get at a mortgage because yeah. uh, a beacon score for um a beacon score for the uh, what do you call it for a mortgage only yeah. has to be 650. okay and for a rental, we look for 700 plus because with all the restrictions and whatever, a lot of uh, landlords have gotten burned. Wow. They're becoming more, uh, more um, rigid with it yeah. for, a, for a, a lack of better uh, description. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, that person, well, that person's credit score was just under 700. Okay. What I'm saying is well above what you can get for a mortgage, but mm -hmm. just under under that score so they've already been denied uh rental Shoot. but then uh, we were talking and and and, uh, and to be fair i even um i've been to that rental place because it was a friend's who who owned it mm -hmm. um i was a fellow realtor and he okay. wanted me to handle it because i live closer to it mm -hmm. and for him it was a 40 minute drive okay so i said i'll take the, on the leases but by that point in time i've had saw so many bad apples that i was like i'm fed up with this i don't want to do this yeah. You know what I mean? And like I got there and when she said, Oh, I've applied and lost, I'm like, oh man, I go, another waste of time. I go, this is not gonna happen either. I go, why am I here? I, mm -hmm. and I, I was dead set on just saying, you know what, buddy, I know I want to help you with the lease, but I can't do this anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean, like like it's you know, it's just the income right. isn't there. Yeah. Um, and even though it isn't that far from me compared to you, mm. it's just one of those things, it's just located in such an awkward spot and it's interfering with my uh, my own clients. Like, I just don't, you know, I mean, I'm done with this. That's what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. Right? Like, then all of a the person says, yeah, I want to buy, but, you know, we have a hundred K down and I want to buy, but um, we couldn't get the mortgage. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You have a hundred K? She goes, yeah. I go, then you can buy. She goes, no, we got declined. I go, no, no, no. I got a mortgage broker for you. You got to call him. You'll get approved. Now I got them the mortgage. They got the house. Mm. Right. I mean, it was a barely, but they got it. They got it. Yeah. But where I'm going with this is that. Most times people say, oh, it's Christmas. I'm going to call everybody I know to say happy and Merry Christmas and all right. that crap, right? But I don't want to use Christmas as the excuse for contact. 
because yeah. everyone's going to do that. How am I any different right. than anybody? The only time I'm going to, uh, you know, reach out is the, the, the one holiday that everybody reaches out at. Yeah. I really stand out for that one. Right. So I thought I'm not going to reach out for Christmas. No, I'll say my Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to reach out for that because I have everything recorded in my CRM. I know today was the one year anniversary. So I reached out to say happy anniversary. You've been in the house for a year. How's it going? Notice I didn't even use Christmas for that. No. And you know what? That's the kind of message that when it gets opened or listened to, it's like, oh my gosh, my agent. And like he remembered, right? And and people again, it goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. When people feel seen and known, they, they will buy every house, buy and sell every house going forward. And they'll refer all their friends to you because whose agent calls on the one year anniversary and says, Hey, congratulations. How are things going? Like people don't do that. It's the little things. And I don't think most people remember it because you know, they're going to put it on their phones and Google, right? Nothing, not, not a knocking Google, but the point is you have to look for it there. But if it's in the CRM and you use the CRM as part of your system, Mm -hmm. you're going to come across it because it's part of your system. It doesn't matter if we're talking personal or professional. We have to have systems. Things don't just happen. Exactly. And going back to what you said, got to be intentional. Yeah. 100%. Oh, I'm like, I can just imagine your client getting that message and just the smile that was on their face. Just one, because they're celebrating one year in their place, but knowing that you cared enough to reach out. Yes, exactly. So, and that's the point, right? And that's about being intentional. And that's also about thinking about somebody other than your own needs. Yeah. Right. And that applies to relationships too. Like you said, Mm -hmm. if if you care enough about the person, you're not going to start your sentence with I, 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 I. Yes. And that's what it comes down to. Obviously you got to give to get, but you got to do it with genuine intent. Mm -hmm. Not just because you expect to get. Right. Oh, you know, it's, it's that heart that determines success, both personally and professionally. Exactly. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Always. My, 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 my favorite line is lead with empathy. Oh, I haven't heard that before. I like that. Yeah. I like that because it, it requires you to be in their shoes. It requires you to look at it, not just from your perspective, but from their perspective. That's a powerful statement. I, I agree as well. Um, now. In terms of what's the process like for you when somebody reaches out to you, mm-hmm. go through what the process is like start to finish. Yeah. So um, on our website, we it, you go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. There's a coaching tab, coaching buttons all over it. But when, when people first come to that, um, there's actually a case study, right? I start with a conversation with a couple that I had the privilege to work with who they were looking at divorce and just a lot of their insights in the process. And after that, um, after you watch that video, there is an application. And part of the reason, um, actually the entire reason that I went to an application process is because I wanted people, one, to really be clear on where they were starting from. We were talking about this earlier in the conversation, but also to to give me the best um, first look at what's happening in their marriage. And so there are questions, you know, what's the situation? What have you tried? What are your goals? Um, and, and I even ask at the bottom, I'm like, what makes you an ideal candidate for coaching? Because I want people to understand, look, we're entering into this 
relationship, this coaching relationship. And I need to know that you're teachable or you're coachable or that you're hungry for change, that you want to develop new skills, that type of thing. And, and I personally review every application uh, that comes into One Extraordinary Marriage. And from there, I'm looking, you know, if, if there's anything that I actually need to refer out to, if there is um, addiction, that is something that I will actually refer to addiction specialists in people's area. If there has been um, severe trauma, whether it's sexual abuse or other types of trauma, I will refer them to seek out a, a psychologist or a therapist that deals specifically with trauma. But I, I respond back to every single application that comes in. Um, and I offer, I, I just tell people how I can help them based on my you know, nine plus years of experience and then offer them two things. One, they can purchase a coaching package um, right out of that email, or if they wanna have a conversation with me and they, they have a few questions about coaching and they just wanna you know, put a face to an email, that type of thing, I offer everyone, like I was saying earlier in the conversation, I offer everyone a 15 minute conversation just to be able to go into that process of saying, do I feel comfortable? I mean, it's like with a real estate agent, do you feel comfortable with the person that you're working with? I want the individuals and couples that coach with me to feel comfortable that I'm the right person for what their needs are. And from there, once somebody purchases a package, they get access to my calendar. And I tell everybody, I'm like, look, we're all adults here. Um, I'm not going to go back and forth with you on scheduling. You're going to find the best day and time that works for you. You're going to schedule your appointment and you're going to show up because I will be there waiting for you. Uh, and from there, we get started. You know, every session because I'm so focused on taking action every session, my clients end up with two to three action items that I email to them. And I expect them to take action in between sessions because they know from an accountability standpoint, the first thing I'm going to ask at the beginning of almost every session is, so let's talk about your action items. Tell me how these things went. And we jump into it from there. But my focus is on really equipping couples with the tools and strategies that they need to create the marriage that they desire to, to feel empowered to be in that place, but it starts with, Hey, let's, let's see if you're a fit and if I'm the right person for you. And then, you know, we get to the point where it's like, let's do this thing. Let's take action and let's get your relationship moving at the speed that your business is moving. Let's get it going. And as successful as your business is, let's go after this together because ultimately John, I'm on their team. I, I'm, I'm another team member um, for a couple to say, yeah, like we need to talk to Elisa. We need to get these skills and strategies. Love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> so I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to have one more question. Then sure. we're going to go into a uh, brief lightning round before we end. Okay. I love it. So my last question is what would you tell an aspiring entrepreneur that wants to get into business, but is scared and unsure of what to do next? Uh, I'll share what was so successful even in writing this last book, and, and it's a skill that we've used multiple times, but that fear comes from a place of you've got so many ideas competing for attention in your brain. And so you actually have to create a mind map, get all of those ideas out on paper. And I say paper because our bodies need to actually experience our thoughts. If we're just typing it, it's not quite the same experience and you don't get to see it in the same visual kinetic way that you do when you write it down. So grab a piece of paper, put whatever your big idea is that you want to do, and then give yourself permission to think through every idea that you possibly have right now related to it. And what you'll naturally see is that things will group themselves together. And where there's strength, where you already have skills, 
that's what you want to go after. Don't go after something where you're going to be like, I'm so far in the weeds. I don't even know which way is up. Go down where there's already either an established need that everybody has come to you. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when John was saying, ask John, well, people have clearly been asking him questions. And so it makes sense that you'd be asking John, um, go down where you have skills. If you've already been in an industry, then pursue something in that industry. If you're solving something that, that is a problem for other people, then figure out the tools and strategies, but start with that mind map. Because when you see your ideas, it actually will calm the fear because now you're not trying to juggle them all up in your brain and feeling overwhelmed. I call it the skinny hamster wheel. We always talk about the hamster wheel that people have, you know, thoughts on the hamster wheel. I'm like, everybody's got a skinny hamster and you need to kick him off the hamster wheel and just get those ideas out on paper. Awesome. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now we're going to go into the, uh, Lightning round. Lightning round. Which is going to solve my curiosities. <laughs> so favorite book and why? Oh, favorite book. Um, I have a childhood favorite. It's called The Princess Bride. They made it a movie, but the book was so spectacular. And I love it because what is in that book and the way the author describes everything brings so much imagination. And it reminds me that whether I'm dealing with parenting issues, marriage issues, business issues, imagination and being able to think outside the box is so critical. Love that. Thank you. Favorite movie. Favorite movie. I'm a big fan of the entire Marvel series. I like the Marvel movies. So wow. okay. I can, yeah, I'll sit back and, you know, we've watched them multiple, multiple times, but whether we're talking Avengers or Captain America, um, yeah, big fan of those. Nice. Um, favorite song or, or artist. Oh, this is actually probably the hardest question. Tony will tell you, I'm not a music person. So yeah, it's that actually, like, I, I don't even have, yeah, I don't have an answer for that one. Oh, that's okay. You know what? Yeah. It's not everybody, right? Like makes us unique. Yes. Favorite podcast. Well, I'm a little bit partial to the One Extraordinary Marriage Show. Um, that might just be because I've been doing it for 12 years, but when I'm not listening to that um I do like true crime. So Dateline is on my podcast um, player. I also listen to Charlie Kirk. Um, those are the two that I kind of go back for. One's a total indulgence and one is, hey, what's going on in the world? Interesting. Mm -hmm. So favorite vacation spot? Oh, give me warm tropical waters and white beaches. Doesn't matter where. Oh, all right. I'm packing my bags. Let's all go. <laughs> that sounds yeah. amazing. In Ontario in winter. Yes, absolutely. You're like, give me the warm, give me the warm. And the final thing is where do people find you? So the best place to find everything that we're doing is at one links to everything. Everything that we offer is there. Awesome. I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast. I had an absolute blast. John, you're a treasure. Your insights are, I can see why you're having the success that you're having. Um, your heart generally, it just genuinely carries through in the conversation. So thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. I'm sure we'll do it again. Sounds good.